Thank you so much for tuning into our podcast. You honor us by listening in, and we're grateful for you. Um, Before we begin, I just want to encourage you to not let this podcast replace the local church in your life. God has designed it so that we are to join a local church and serve that body of believers and be shepherded by the pastor of that church. And that's something no podcast can give you. And so if you're not involved in a local church, let me encourage you to find one as soon as possible. Enjoy our podcast. Well, open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3. The last part of Ephesians 3, Paul offers up another prayer for the church at Ephesus, and that's what we're going to look at. Um, I said that these first six weeks back, we're kind of looking at um, kind of what I'm calling building blocks for the church, things that are really important for the church, just as reminders as we come back. We talked about the gospel and we talked about commitment to Christ. Today we're going to talk about prayer, um, what, 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 what prayer is and, and what our prayers should look like. Um, I don't know any Christian who has a regular prayer life who doesn't say, I need to grow at prayer. Uh, my, my prayer life is not what I want it to be. Um, I would say that. I'm sure you would probably say that. Um, when, when we pray, we, we tend to either get easily distracted, start thinking about lunch, start thinking about what we got to do today, whatever, or we tend to pray the same old things about the same old things, and we, we get bored by that. Uh, I have prayed for this request, the same exact words, a hundred days in a row. I'm just kind of done with it, um, is what we might honestly feel. Um, oftentimes we might feel like our prayers are be, aren't being effective. And so when we don't feel like our prayers are effective, we tend to not pray as well. But as a church, everything we do must be bathed in prayer. We should pray a lot during church. Uh, a pastor I follow up in Washington, D.C. once said in a sermon, we, we should pray so much in church that the people there who only pretend to believe in God get bored by it. We should pray. We should pray a lot. And I don't just mean prayer just the way we so often pray, like we're, we're not actually seeking the God of the universe. We're asking a genie for three wishes. Um, I'm talking about prayer where we actually um, come before a holy God crying out that we need Him. We need Him. We actually recognize what we're doing and who we're talking to. We're not just talking about doing a, a ritual hoping that genie will give us our three wishes. Genies don't exist. So I want to ask you a question this morning, and I want that to kind of be on your mind as I'm going through this entire sermon. Think about this. If you could pray right now, and you were guaranteed that whatever you ask, no matter how crazy, no matter how insane, no matter how impossible, whatever you asked, God would say yes. What would you pray for? Well, think about that. What would you pray for? You, you would absolutely get a yes. You could ask anything. What would you pray for? Whatever your answer, it still isn't even close to what's offered to you in prayer. Not even close. Prayer must be our engine fuel. So we're going to look at this prayer from Paul. You can learn a lot about how to pray by listening to other people pray. Um, I just read a book... Uh, a couple weeks ago, that, that was, it was um, Prayers of Charles Haddon Spurgeon. 
Um, my wife and I love him. You know, we named our son after him. Um, Spurgeon, um, he, he had these incredible prayers that he would pray during his church service. He was a pastor. And I mean, they're five or six pages long in this book that I read, each prayer. And I just read that and I learned so much about how to pray from reading his prayers. You can learn a lot about how to pray by watching someone else pray. So we're going to watch Paul pray this morning. Um, Paul's in prison at this point. He was imprisoned by the Jews and the Romans, you know. That's how the book of Acts ends. That's the last little episode we get of him. He's eventually actually released. He's arrested again, and he's eventually beheaded. Um, Ephesians is probably written during that second imprisonment. He already got out of prison once, and now he's back in. He's in prison. He can literally pray for anything in prison. What would you be praying for in prison? Probably that you'd get out of prison, but what does Paul pray for? Well, let's look. Ephesians 3, I'm going to read verses 14 through 21. For this reason, I bow my knee before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So remember, Paul's in prison when he writes this. He's, he's actually in prison. He's, he's chained to a guard. That guard would come and be changed out every few hours. Um, that guard had no interest in treating him well. He was just a savage guy. Um, it's smelly. He's in like a dungeon um, there's, there's giant rats the size of cats running around the place. Um, like, it's not a good place. Notice his posture when he prays. Verse 14, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father. He's in prison, yet he climbs up and he gets on his knees on that smelly floor to, play, to pray. There, how, however, there, there's not really a prescribed posture in the Bible to pray. Sometimes you see people in the Bible standing when they pray. Sometimes they're bowing. Sometimes they're lifting their hands. Sometimes they're covering their eyes. Sometimes they're looking up. Sometimes their head is bowed. Um, There's not a a specific posture for how we pray. Um, There are times when we pray certain ways as opposed to others. But um, honestly, I usually have my eyes open when I pray. I don't know about you, but, but I typically do. We only really close our eyes when we pray to not get distracted. Like, you know, our eyes open, we're praying, and, oh, hey, look at that squirrel over there. He fell out of the tree. That's funny. There's no body posture for all prayer in the Bible, but we must have a posture of the heart. We must have a posture of the heart. That is, we bow before God. We're completely dependent on God. We are actually praying to the God of the universe, the creator of all things. The one who, like, he he placed the stars in the sky the way you light your Christmas tree in December. 
Like he, he placed the giant stars in the sky as simple as lighting a Christmas tree. That's who we pray to. Notice Paul calls him Father. Bow our knees before the Father. If you had a good father, you, you might understand that analogy. If you didn't, you might have trouble with it. A father, a good father, delights to give to his children. I'm a new father. I love getting, I love getting a good night of sleep, and I, I've liked that before we had a baby. Um, I, before we had a baby, honestly, um, it, you might have seen me at my most sinful when I didn't get a good night of sleep because I just pounce around the house like a grumpy person. Um, if something interrupts my sleep, I'd, I've been known to just get out of bed really frustrated and be frustrated the rest of the day. Uh, Adrian is nursing, so there isn't a lot I can do to feed Haddon um, during, during the night. But several nights I have had to get up when, when he wouldn't sleep so Adrian could get some sleep. Um, and, you know, I've been surprised. I haven't been upset that I've lost sleep with him. I haven't been grumpy. I haven't stomped around the house the next day. I'm certainly tired, but I delight in my son. He's my joy, right? That, that's, that's the kind of joy God has over his children, except a million times more. A, a million times more. Notice Paul says in verse 16, that according to the riches of his glory, he may give you all these things he's going to lay out according to the riches of his glory. God is rich in glory. He's rich in glory. He owns the universe. Do you get that? He owns the universe. You know how if you, you, know, you, you go down to some building and you can pay enough money and you can name a star after somebody? Um, God can speak and a star comes into existence. He can snap his fingers and the star goes out. God, God, can, God knows every speck of dust in this room right now. He, 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 he knows every grain of sand on Daytona Beach, on Panama City Beach, on Jensen Beach, on Virginia Beach. He, I don't even know the amount of sand when I pick up a handful on the beach. He knows every speck of sand on every beach in the world. He knows every speck of sand on the moon. God can pick up every ounce of water on the planet and cup it in his hands like he's going to wash his face with it. That's how big this God is and how powerful he is. Do you understand that? Because we often pray such weak prayers. We pray like we're talking to a homeless man on the street who can't really do anything for us. Rather than the God who hung the stars in the, in the universe. Paul says, according to the riches of his grace. Um, if you have an NIV or, or an NLT, it will say, out of the riches of his grace. Um, it's probably more according to the riches of his grace. Um, it, from the original Greek. Uh, see, if a millionaire gives you $10, he's given to you out of his riches. If a millionaire gives you a million dollars... He's given you according to his riches. You see, I can give you $10. Most people can give you $10. But only a millionaire has the money to give you a million dollars. And God gives you according to the riches of his grace. We can ask God and trust that he's able to give us according to those riches. 
Oftentimes we ask for such empty riches, honestly. Often we ask God for just empty things. Like I ask people from time to time, you know, when I'm talking to them, um, you know, how can I pray for you? And a lot of times I just get, well, just pray the Lord will keep me healthy. Like, I want the Lord to keep you healthy, but, like, that's it? Like, like I'm, I'm telling you I'm going to go before the God of the universe who owns the universe and pray for you, and that's all you can come up with. That, that's it. That's something you can handle yourself without prayer, with exercise and eating right. Like, when's the last time you prayed a prayer that, frankly, was quite insane? When's the last time you prayed a prayer that if anyone heard you pray it, they would say, that's impossible. That's never going to happen. There's two or three things that I pray for on a regular basis that, that I just have to say to God, like, God, uh, there's no way this is ever going to happen unless you do something. But I'm still praying for it. There's no way this is ever going to happen unless you act. Church, if we want to see God work in incredible ways in our life and in the world, we have to ask him for impossible things. Impossible things. Things that can only be explained by him. Notice Paul says, uh, I pray that you would be strengthened with power through the Spirit in your inner being. Paul, Paul prays for strengthening of their inner being. The, the main focus of his prayer from that point on is going to be that they would know Christ, that they would know him more and more. But he prefaces that with, I want you to be strengthened by the Holy Spirit in your inner being. Very often we don't pray for such a thing. Most of our prayers honestly have to do with the outer being. We don't think much about our inner being. It's the outer being. There was a pastor in the 1900s, his name was John Stott, um, he pastored over in Europe, and he wrote about one time, I think he was on vacation, um, and he visited a church in England when, when he was on vacation, um, and this is what he wrote about that event. The pastor was absent on holiday, and a lay pastor led the pastoral prayer. He prayed that the pastor might enjoy a good vacation, which was fine, and that two lady members of the congregation might be healed of their cough, which was also fine. We should pray for the sick, but that was all. The intercession can hardly have lasted 30 seconds. I came away saddened, sensing that this church worshipped a little village god of their own devising. There was no recognition of the needs of the world and no attempt to embrace the world in prayer. That, that was, that, that's it. That's what John Stott says. That, that's it. You have access to the God who owns the universe and... That's all you can think to pray for. Paul prays for the Ephesians in their inner being. Don't misunderstand me. We, we should pray for people's outer being, absolutely. A good amount of the things we pray for on our prayer list are regarding the outer being, the, the, the physical body. But most of the prayers like this in the Bible, there's a lot of them, they're not about people's body or their health. It's about their, their soul and their heart. It's about what's going on inside of them. That they are prayers for the inner being. Understand, you can keep your body healthy for the most part, barring any disease or illness. You can, you can keep your body healthy with, with eating right and exercise. You don't need prayer for that. You need a treadmill. 
Like, but only God can change your heart and your soul. Only God can change the heart and soul of your loved ones. We want to pray rightly and ask God to do those things that we cannot do. Within our loved ones, we, we cannot do certain things. He has to do them. Within our enemies, we want him to do things that, that, that we can't do. We want the people of the world to be transformed by God in such a way that they can't chalk up to, yeah, I've been watching my weight. It's stuff that only God can do through his spirit. So the focus of Paul's prayer is that they would know Christ better. Look, verses 17 through 19. That Christ may dwell in your hearts. That is, there, there's a throne in your heart and something sits on it. There's a throne in your heart and something is king there. It's either Christ or something else. Uh, like as we discussed last week, you're either committed to him or you're not. You can usually tell what that thing is by what you pray for. If all you ever pray for is that you would be happy and healthy, then what's on your heart's throne may be yourself. Christ must dwell on the throne of your heart. That must be what you pray for, for yourself and for others, that Christ is Lord of the universe. He's got to be Lord of your life. You won't see him do incredible things in your life until, allow, until you allow him to take control of your life. He says, I want you to be rooted and grounded in love, in Christ's love, he goes on to say. Rooted and grounded in love. And then he says in verse 19, to know the love of Christ. He's connecting the two. It's not a generic kind of love like, like our world talks about all the time. It's, it's, a, it's Christ's love. We want to be rooted and grounded in Christ's love. He uses a farming uh, term and he uses an, an architecture term. Rooted in love, grounded in love. My, my home church um, is an old church like ours um, from the 1800s. Um, they, they have the original building still there. Um, they met in there for a really long time to worship, um, but then they eventually turned that into office space in the, in the children's area, and they built a sanctuary. They, they built a sanctuary like literally 10 feet from the old building. When I started going to the church, that's where we were meeting to worship. However, about a year after I'd been there, this may be scary for me since I'd started coming there and this happened, but um, we started to notice this crack in the ceiling. And week after week, it got bigger and bigger until pretty soon, like, half the roof had this giant crack going across it. I was baptized in that church. The next Sunday, we show up and we're meeting in the gym because they have determined it's no longer safe to be in that building. Again, scary for me since I was the last person baptized there. But... Um, what they ended up finding out was the building wasn't built on the right foundation. It was built on bad foundation. So the roof started to crack. The, the bigger the building is, the deeper the foundation has to go. If you have a popsicle stick and you want to you know, stand it up in the ground, you can probably get away with putting it an inch in the ground. You'll be fine. It'll stand up. If you build a 10-story building an inch in the ground, that building's falling over at the next windstorm. The, the level to which you want to see God work in your life is going to be determined by how grounded in Christ's love you are, how deep you are in it. So how do you grow in Christ's love? How do you grow in this? He talks about it here, that, 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 that they may be strengthened to comprehend with all the saints what is the, the breadth and length and height and depth of the love of Christ. 
You, you have to pray for this. You have to pray that God would grow you in Christ's love. Do, do you want to know how big Christ's love is for you? How much, do you know how much he loved you at the cross? Do you know how much he loves you as he sits at God's right hand right now, praying for you, interceding for you, going to war for you? Do, do you know how much he loves you as he awaits the day he will return and receive you to himself one day? Do you know how much he will show his love to you for all of eternity? Do you know how much he loves you? It's more than knowledge can comprehend. Look at verse 19. It surpasses knowledge. I can't even understand how much he loves me because he loves me so much. When is the last time you prayed to, to be filled with Christ's love like this? So that you might demonstrate his love to others. As some of you know, I, I strive to pray through our church membership every month, so I have the church membership divided up into a calendar, so every day I'm praying for like five family units in the church. This month I've been praying this prayer for, for the church, that, that we would be rooted and grounded in Christ's love, that we would know how big, how wide, how deep, how high his love is, and that, as we'll see in 21, 20 and 21, that each family would see things happen in their life that could only be explained by God, could only be explained by what he does. I want us to be rooted and grounded in the massive, incomprehensible love of Christ and then go and show that love to the world in unimaginable ways. Do you want that for us? Paul then prays that we would be filled up with the fullness of, of God, the end of verse 19, filled up with his fullness. We pray that God would grow us in the love of Christ. The more we grow, the more we are filled up with God. The more we are going to see God do incredible things in our life. Do you want that for yourself? Do you want that for others? Make that the center of your prayers. I want each of you and I want Mount Zion as a whole to be filled up with the fullness of God, and I pray that regularly. Because we need that much more than anything that we pray for our outer being. So Paul closes out this prayer with 20 and 21. I'm going to read it again. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Wow. M more than we could ask. Abundantly more than we could ask or even think. I was back in March when, when my friend Scotty was here before all hell broke loose, you know. Um, he, he and I were sitting in my living room talking and he, he asked this funny question to me just because of the words that he used. He said, Aaron, what's your big hairy dream for your church? Your big hairy dream. Kind of sound like a hairball or something. But, but what's your big hairy dream for your church? And, and I don't remember what I told him that day, but I was thinking about that. It's a good question. And I think some ways I would answer that would be, I want to see my church love the word of God and read it every day. I want to see my church sing with joy on Sunday morning. I want to see my church extravagantly loving one another both in and outside of the building. I want to see us reaching the lost people in our life with the good news of Jesus. I want to see people getting saved and baptized at Mount Zion regularly. 
I want to see uh, us training up the next generation to be disciples of Jesus. I want to see us doing incredible things for Jesus that can only be explained by his work within us. And I want to see Mount Zion thriving as a church until Jesus comes, whether that's in my lifetime or 50 generations from now. Sounds like a big, big task, doesn't it? It's a big, hairy task. You know, I have all those dreams, and I think to myself, there's no way I can just magic trick that up and make it happen. There's just no way I can just snap my fingers and all that's going to happen here. If it's left to me, those things will never happen. But verse 20, he can do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. Far more. What's your big hairy dream for our church? What's your big hairy dream for your life? What's your big hairy dream for Chula and Tifton? What's your big hairy dream for America? The biggest thing you can possibly think of in your wildest imagination. God can do more abundantly than that. He can do far more than you could ever dream of. Far more. You know, during this quarantine, during the last three months, a lot of people have been talking about how it's, that the world's about to end. I disagree, but um, uh, people know you can't predict the day or the hour of Jesus coming. Plenty of people like to predict the week and the month. You know, it's almost here, but people have been doing that since Jesus left. Um, it, but, but here's the deal. If I and if you dwell on those thoughts too long that, that the world's about to end, do you know what that'll make us do? Give up. Stop doing anything and just buckle down and wait for Jesus to return. And that's not God's will for your life. It's not. Jesus hasn't come yet, so it's not over. Jesus hasn't come yet, so the question is, will, he be, will you be found faithful when he comes? Or will we just be sitting around chilling, waiting for the end of the world? Let's be found faithful. Let's, let's be praying for God to do far more abundantly than we could ever ask or think, and then make ourselves available to see that happen. Paul says, verse 20, according to the power at work within us. God wants to do these abundantly great things through the power at work within us. It's not a thing of, you know, if we sit back and do nothing, God, you know, won't work in the world. He, he, he can certainly do all things. Our disobedience won't stop him from accomplishing his will. But notice that he does it through us. Through us. That is, we get on our knees, we pray and ask God to fill us with himself and the love of Christ, and then we go out and allow him to do incredible things in the world through us. Our prayers are not just that we would have a more comfortable life here on earth, you know, be in less pain and enjoy our life. Our, our, our prayers are a means to an end, that God would do so much more than we can possibly imagine through us. And do it all for his glory. Verse 21. To, to, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. God deserves all glory. We spend so much time, so much of our lives trying to get glory for ourselves, But God is the only one who deserves glory. He's the only one. He will be glorified by the church, he says, and by Jesus. That is, our church exists for his glory. 
We exist for his glory. God will receive glory forever and ever, it says, throughout all generations. That is from Adam to Noah to to Moses to David to Peter to Paul to uh, Augustine to Martin Luther to Billy Graham to, to all of us and to all the generations after us. God will receive glory from all generations, past, present, and future. And forever and ever, after Jesus returns and we are with him, we will glorify his name forever and ever. This is the purpose of our prayers, that God would be glorified, that he would receive glory. Let your prayers be so much more than asking a homeless man for something he can't do for you. Let your prayers be so much more than just asking for empty riches to make this life a little better. Let your prayers be so much more than just, than, let, let your prayers be asking God to fill you with himself and grow in the love of Christ that he may do incredible things through, through us beyond anything we can ever dream up. And may he be glorified by those things. This is the purpose of your life. Let this be the purpose of your prayers and the purpose of our church. Pray with me. Father, I pray this prayer for us, for um, every one of us. Lord, you have named every family in heaven and on earth. The Jones family, the Thompson family, the Cromer family, the Fraser family, uh, all, all families here represented, Lord. We, you, you have named us. And now we pray that according to the riches of your glory, you would strengthen us by the Holy Spirit in our inner being, Lord. Do work in our heart and in our soul. Make Christ dwell on the throne of our hearts and teach us more and more about how immense his love is how high it is, how low it is, how wide it is, how long it is. And Lord, fill us with the fullness of God that we may do incredible things for you, that you may receive glory for our life. And oh, how satisfying that will be for all of us. In Jesus' name, amen.